Well, welcome to The Walrus and the Carpenter. My name is Jason Alligut. I'm the teaching pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in Peoria, Illinois. With me, as always, is Gary Gear, pastor of Calvary Baptist Bible Church, also in Peoria. Gary, what's going on? I am going to see how many days in a row I can wear this hoodie before my <laughs> wife forces me to wear something different. Is this uh, quarantine clothing that you're wearing? No, this is just since I'm, you know, I women underestimate the pleasure that men get from being able to get the maximum usage out of any piece of clothing. And I'm delighted in that right now. Yeah, there are degrees of cleanliness and uncleanliness. Is that what you're saying? There's that, but I'm going to keep it clean. I mean, it may pick a few a few stains along the way, but I should not be repugnant to anyone. Yeah. Sadly, yeah. that does not matter, though. <laughs> wow. Well, I don't even know where to go after that. Uh, you're welcome to take it wherever you want. To. That's all right. <laughs> Well, good, good enough. Uh, we are uh, sitting in day 653 of quarantine, I believe it is. Um, We've if, eaten our pets. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Silas. Oh, my. Uh, but no, um, you know, we are actually um, probably going to release this uh, after um, Resurrection uh, Sunday, but um, we're still in that week coming up to Resurrection Sunday, and so um, just thinking about um, what we're currently going through as a country, not to continue to harp on that um, during this time of uh, sort of pandemic crisis, COVID-19, but we're also thinking about how much we're missing our um, interaction with our church family, and especially coming up on a, a celebration like Resurrection Sunday, where, where we have so much to think about. I mean, certainly we would both agree that every Sunday is a celebration of of the resurrection, um, but particularly this time of year, we're thinking about that, and we're sad. We're sad that we can't be with those who we normally would want to be with, whether that's family, friends, sort of normal interactions, uh, certainly our gathering with our church families. And so um, I thought it would be good, uh, Gary, for us to talk about this idea of lament and um, you know, so much of our church existence, and I think what we're kind of what comes across our screens, if I could say it in that way, is about the joyfulness of the Christian life, which is certainly true, but oftentimes we don't talk about enough or even give space for or help with as pastors or um, as those who minister uh, about this idea of lament. And so um, I thought we would talk about that today and um, uh, talk about the fact that we don't stay necessarily in lament, as it were, but um, but that th- that is a, a category we need to talk about. So, I, well, I will throw some questions at sure, you then, sure. just just for the sake of definition. Yeah. First of all, I'm going to ask you to define l- lament, especially from a biblical point of view. Maybe some examples of it. Second of all, and we'll start with the current crisis, but then spread out from there and ask the question: What? As, as American Christians, you know, 22nd century, what what should we be lamenting, or what do we yes. lament? And, and bring yeah. some specific examples if you can. Sure, yeah. So this isn't going to be any sort of a textbook definition of lament. I'm just sort of thinking about it off the top of my head. But, you know, lament sort of includes this idea of sadness, certainly, of a heaviness of heart, um, of the kinds of... Um, uh, uh, emotional experiences that we encounter when we uh, deal with loss, when we deal with um, maybe extended periods of um, d- 
disappointment. I mean, I'm just I'm just kind of trying to I'm spitballing this a little bit here, um, but the idea that um, there is uh, from a biblical perspective there is this space for. Um, <coughs> You know, asking questions, I think specifically asking questions of God mm-hmm. in light of current circumstances, but yet I think lament also uh, has a, a, a sort of sunrise, if you will, of hopefulness as well, that, it, that it's not where we stay, uh, but there is a, a, a place in the human experience, if I could put it that way, where sadness is part and parcel of that. I mean, we have an entire book of the Bible called Lamentations, which isn't particularly about how do you lament, but it is a lament, right? right? Um, so I, I think of, I, as I was thinking about this episode, I was thinking about um, even particularly coming up to you know Good Friday, Psalm 22, and this really is, though it's a messianic uh, psalm, certainly, um, it, it also um, is a psalm of lament, as many of the psalms are, at least at the beginning, before it kind of reaches that sunrise of hopefulness. But we think about you know, what the psalmist says, what David says in Psalm 22 and verse 1, and we think about the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And and by night, but I find no rest. And and in those first two verses of Psalm twenty-two, you know, I mean, this, this is this is David speaking, uh, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And you say, okay, how can someone who is, you know, the king of Israel, certainly blessed by God, um, God's hand of favor is upon him? We would say, you know, these kinds of things. How could he say such things about God? And and yet, in the human experience. Um, I would say, as we read on here, there is not a sense of doubting as much as there is just a sense of, this is what I'm experiencing at at the time. And so, um, you know, the important thing comes in verse 3, right? Yet, you are holy and throned on the praises of Israel, in you our Father's trust. So we, so we begin to start, sort of begin that see that sunrise of hopefulness as well. So, But going back to that, as far as the hopefulness, does he believe then mm. that what he is going through is going to be removed mm-hmm. because God is good? Right, right, yeah. Well, sir, no, I mean, that, that's yeah. a part of the reality of life is that um, uh, we we may find ourselves in a state of lament, if I could put it that way, to one degree or another through through our entire lives. Um, you and I both know people, Gary, and perhaps this has even been our experience, that, that, seems, that trouble seems to follow certain people, uh-huh. if I can put it that way, and maybe it's because of no fault of their own, maybe it's because of other influences or things that have happened to them, but, but uh, I'm not sort of surprised to see people who are at varying levels of lament throughout their life. I don't know if that's what you're going for. No, but, no, I, w- I, was, yeah. I, was, I was thinking of that, but... Uh, along the lines of of people say, "Hey, I've been going through this. This is hard. Now I see my God is wonderful." Mm-hmm. And then there is that thought of, "Okay, then this means now naturally that things will get better." Right. But that's not that's necessarily not, that's the right. case. That's right. right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, how would you maybe? Um, Add a, a little more to my definition of well, lament. Well, no, I or... would I would say that I would say lament, and I, I think you stated very well. It is part of a process. I think it's a very necessary part of the process 
which is very difficult for us in American culture. We are very uncomfortable around people who are sad. Yes. We, we, we I, I hate to say this, but people who are sad, we actually re- respond several ways. We either have them sequester themselves mm-hmm. so the people around them won't feel sad. Mm-hmm. We get them, we try to jolly them out of their sadness. And again, these are not necessarily wrong, but these tend to be long-term strategies. Right. And so there's that sadness. And sometimes I see people, We and we've actually built an industry around people who are sad to tell us their story, and we turn them into narcissists. Mm. And we say, okay, wallow in your sadness and tell while us. While we all look on and eat popcorn. Yes, while yeah. we all go on and we say, oh, you know, yeah. you're wonderful because you've gone through all of that. Right. I think that, that that's an element, too. Or we medicate the sadness away. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that medication for depression is a, is a bad thing. Right, right. But sometimes sadness is an essential part of the human experience. And for those of us who are believers, it's even more so. We live in a sin-cursed world. We ourselves are sinful people. And there's that strange, bittersweet journey we take towards the Lord that the closer we get to him, the harder this world becomes. Mm-hmm. And there is greater joy, but there is also greater sadness. I mean, that that's just the truth of it. Right, right. That's right. And um, I, I think that um, we maybe, maybe part of this, too, is uh, an escapism. We're constantly trying to escape yes. sadness or lament. And I'm thinking sort of in general terms, believer, unbeliever, uh, I think, you know, in some ways, the the church, in a very, very general terms, the church is sort of uh, sort of peddling a soft prosperity right. in some ways that 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 promises that there's always going to be um, joy in a certain sense. So I think we can joy we can have joy in lament, but um, I think that that's not what they're expressing in that in that um, soft prosperity. I think about though, like Job, who. Um, immediately after the destruction comes to everything, including his children dying, he he does fall down and worship, but we often forget the part that he, he covers himself in ashes. Mm-hmm. And that's lament. You know, he worships in lament. Yes. Um, and so I think we have to be careful to not uh, sort of um, uh, sort of sugarcoat the whole events of Job's life, right? Because he does worship God, but he is lamenting, right? And you you bring up an incredible point. Lament has to include worship, or it's not lament. Be, because yes, good. Thank because you. lament yeah. takes place in that intersection of us saying, "Okay, here here's God's character." Especially mm-hmm. when you look at so many of the Psalms of lament, mm-hmm. whether it's Psalm twenty two, uh, seventy four. I could mm-hmm. go on, and mm-hmm. I got a list of them. Forty four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's that acknowledgement, God, you are wonderful. You are wise. You are holy. You control my life, and this sucks. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why this is happening. But in order for lament to be lament, you have to look at how incredible God is. You, yep. you you have to acknowledge his power and glory and say, it hurts. Yeah. And why are you making it hurt? Yeah. And I think that that word is so important, acknowledgement, acknowledging God. Yes. Um, not, I, I mean, again, so now sort of narrowing it a bit to the believer, that ought to be our focus um, is the acknowledgement of God. Again, not saying we can't ask questions of God. I think that's a real, you know, um, uh, uh, that's been downplayed, or, or not even downplayed, but but uh, actually 
sort of discouraged, this idea of asking God why right. um, in the midst of our lamenting. And I think that we see patterns of that in the scriptures, this question of why. Uh, Psalm seventy four eleven. why do you hold back your hand? Why do you keep your hand in your bosom? Mm-hmm. Psalm forty four twenty three. Rouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Right. And of course, right. you mentioned Psalm twenty two one just right off the bat. Yeah. Why have you forsaken me? Right. Right. Exactly. Why have you forsaken me? Now, God, now, do you even hear me? Is now, the, is, now, is one of the things, right? Now, pausing, and I'd, I'd like you to to kind of uh, articulate these two thoughts. Talk about how it's godly, but then talk about when it becomes ungodly, if you can make that distinction. Uh, the idea of lament when it's godly and when it becomes ungodly? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think when um, it, it is godly, when, when, when we do what you just said, um, I, I want to be so careful here to not unintentionally um, make people feel convicted about certain things, because, yes, we are sad, we go through periods of sadness and lament, acknowledging, as we just said, who God is, what he has done, and what he has promised to do, yet with the idea that even as hope rises on the horizon, it does not mean that it's over, the sadness or the trial or whatever that may be. Therefore, you know, I'm thinking of Hebrews here, we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and and, and finisher of our faith, um, um, who for the joy before him, set before him, you know, endured mm-hmm. these kinds of things. And mm-hmm. so we look to him as an example, though much more than that. I think the ungodly side of it becomes when we, um, and again, I want to be so careful in how I say this, um, when we not only don't acknowledge God, because we may acknowledge God, but we may acknowledge him in the wrong way, where we take it to blaming God um, instead of worshiping him. You mentioned earlier Job. Yeah. What does God call Job when he finally manifest when God finally manifests himself? I I'm not sure. He calls him a fool. A fool, yes. yes. Okay. Gotcha. And yeah. why does God call Job a fool? I mean specifically. Mm-hmm. What what is it that leads God to come to that conclusion about Job? I'm 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 not as versed on this as I should be. Probably are you me is essentially, you know, are, Well where 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 Job sits there and he says that 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 if I could plead my case before yes, you yeah. then you yes, would see yeah, that I'm justified. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And God right. says that is foolish, foolish talk. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And then what does Job realize? He needs a he needs an advocate, right? He needs <laughs> yes. a mediator. I can't do this, right? Or and he even goes beyond that and says, I've got nothing to say when God says, How dare you right. even think that you could justify what's happening here at that right. point? Right, right, for sure. Yeah. Um, so uh yeah, I think the unholy or maybe unholy is strong, um um but the yeah, maybe the sinful way is to to accuse God of something um, rather than stopping at asking why. I don't know. I'm maybe... Right. I, I, I think you bring a good point asking why, but at some point, I think there's a difference between challenge... I, I, this is going to sound lovely. I think there's a difference between challenging God and blaming God. If I yes. may, it, Those are two yeah. very subjective terms. Sure, sure. Yeah. And on one hand, uh, unpack that a little bit for well, us. Well, challenging is, as you've mentioned, to say, "Where are you? Mm-hmm. Why is this happening? Why am I in such pain? Why have you done this to me?" And then, at the other hand, when we when we start to fail in responding to our pain and to the suffering we go through, then we blame God for our failures. Mm. If I may put it that way, mm-hmm. I am turning away from you. 
I am turning um, away from you because be because you were too hard on me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When no, yeah. no, that that was yeah. You made the decision. Yeah, yeah. I remember one time having a conversation with someone who uh, was telling me that their wife had been diagnosed with cancer, and um, the interesting response he he said she doesn't understand why God would do this to her when she's been so faithful to him. And, you know, I, I think I understand where that person is coming from. Right. But I think it sort of um, highlights a, a sort of poor theology of who God is and, and what yes. he, he does. Um, it almost is a God you... And I'm not saying that this is what this person was expressing, but it, it almost seems to lean in the direction of, God, you owe me. I, I've been faithful to you. Why are you allowing this to happen? Now, again, I, I think in asking the question why there's validity to that scripturally but to tag on to that why are you because i have done this or that you would not believe how many times i heard that from other people after i was diagnosed well you know why is this happening to you mm-hmm. you don't deserve this mm-hmm. and it, it's interesting yeah. i mean and among strong believers too some of them yeah and you get a feel for that where it's like why are you saying this yeah yeah so gary can you maybe how how would you respond maybe you don't remember the specific responses but just sort of generally how would you respond to that if people said that to you it depends on the person, of course, and the situation. But just generally speaking, it's it's the idea that our God is always good, and mm-hmm. the things that happen in our life are always good. We don't always enjoy them. We're not uncomfortable sometimes. We and we we resent them, and they diminish us. But God is committed to His own glory, mm-hmm. and God is committed to my good. And I just say I don't know how God is going to do this, but. And a lot of it tying in there is when I would direct people's prayers, because a lot of times I'd ask them, well, what are you praying for me? I'm praying you're mm-hmm. healed. Okay, that's good, but are you also praying mm-hmm. that I don't weaken in my faith? Are, yeah. are you praying that I don't sin against my family? Sure. And they would say, well, no, I'm not. Like, okay, you need to start praying that. I think once you start pushing people in that direction, they understand more about what's going on. Yeah, for when, sure. Once you actually make it a function. Yeah, let me let me ask you something then, Gary. Based on what you've just said, how does lament help us take our eyes off of others and direct our eyes toward God? Good biblical lament. Do you know what I mean when I ask that? Yeah, because I can I can imagine that um, you know someone who's been through what you've been through. Um, you, you, it would be easy for you to say, well, why why didn't that happen to them? Why is this happening to me? I'm not saying this is what you did. But then there's always somebody who has it off worse than I do. Which which, which is not the healthiest thing to think of. It right. really isn't. Right, right, yeah. So kind of like directing your eyes off of others or even your own yeah. situation to God, how does lament help with that? Lament reminds you that no one is able to help you but God. No mm-hmm. one can do what really needs to be done other than God. Seriously, not the doctors, mm-hmm. not your spouse, mm-hmm. not your friends. Nothing can actually address what's going on in your heart 
other than God does. And lament is simply a recognition of your own helplessness. It, mm. it is, and I will say this: if if we, one of the reasons why lament is so necessary in the heart of believers is it demands a divine humility. And by divine humility, I'm not saying that our humility is divine, but it is a humility before the divine, right? That yeah. be, before that 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 that's compelled by right. being in God's presence, right? And saying this is horrible. And sometimes it doesn't have an answer. There's one psalm that's a lament psalm, and Jeff Newman, out of faith, did his whole doctoral on it, his thesis on it, and it's an incre- he does some incredible work on it. But that psalm is the only psalm where he says, my life is horrible, this is awful, this is just awful, and then it ends with that. There's mm-hmm. no sense of God right. will deliver me afterwards. Right, right, for sure. But there's always that acknowledgement that God is there. And I think of friends of mine who have been in incredible chronic pain for 10, 20, 30 years. Right. And I can't imagine waking up like them with the searing pain day after day. But to me, the lament is like a Psalm 88 mm-hmm. lament at that point, if that makes any sense. Absolutely, Yeah. So I think the the balance of this, um, and you've said this many times, that word balance can be so overused <laughs> um, because we find ourselves so much in imbalance. I think most of the time, but um, I, I think if I'm if I'm sort of either counseling myself with truth or counseling someone else with truth, is that we don't want people to feel guilty for lamenting, uh, for a sense of sadness, or even asking the question why. But to, to always bring that resolve, though it doesn't mean the trial is over or may ever be over, except for you know what we talked about um, in a previous episode about the physical final right. resurrection of you know um, when 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 both sin and death are finally defeated. Um, but uh, to to bring that balance of but but let your resolve be that God is still good even in the midst of this. We're not saying um, your sadness is sinful, though, though there are ways in which it can be, but please understand that um, uh, there is, there is a, a way, which you've just said, to keep our eyes focused on God in the midst of this as well. I would, I would, I would agree, and I'm going to reference that article that came out last week in the New York Times, Okay, and I, I, I know N.T. Wright meant well by what he said, mm-hmm. but when he he carried the lament to the point saying that, okay, we, we, we have lament and we have no answers. I would flip it to the other side and say it's only through lament that we have mm. answers. Now, he may agree with me. Maybe I'm phrasing it differently. But I, I still believe as followers of Christ, when we go through lament and we focus on that and we bring worship into it and we see the character and the consistency of our God and his covenants, his promises to us, when we embrace the pain along with it, at that point we start to have answers. Not not, not the whole rationalistic, well, right. this happened because of this and this happened sure. because of that, but more of the answers, our God is still good, our God is with me. Mm-hmm. As, we talk, as we talked about the last episode when this comes out, the future resurrection's coming, yeah. and Christ has already gone through that pain. Right, right. But to me, you have to go to lament Mm -hmm. to find that. And I think so often in American culture, we want to sidestep lament and just put the verses on the post-it note and slap it on our forehead. Right, for sure. (coughs) Yeah. And so that maybe even brings up another category that we need to uh, um, talk about here, which is this idea of shame. 
you know, I feel shameful if I lament because I'm not living my, you know, best Christian life now in Jesus by feeling, you know, happy all the time, you know, um, uh, the kids' song, you know, I got the joy, joy, joy <laughs> down in my heart, you know, kind of an idea. And, and, and yet, you know, we want to obviously say there is, um, there is a way to be joyful even in the midst of lament. Um, but yeah, that idea of, of sidestepping, for what purpose? Why would you say people want to sidestep lament? Failure, as you mentioned, shame. Mm-hmm. And lament hurts. Mm-hmm. There's a period of my life, this was several years back, this before I came to Peoria, and my, my church has heard this, but and I'm not going to go through the whole long story, I, I'd spent a long time praying that God would increase my love for him. Mm. And my wife will attest to this. For about a year and a half, I went through a very severe depression to the point where my wife would be worried when I'd go out at night wondering if I wouldn't come back home. She was afraid mm. I was going to hurt myself. Mm. But it was interesting through that journey and through that depression that— there were times where I, I had to go to the Lord again and again and saying, Lord, in the midst of my depression, I still want to rejoice in you. Mm-hmm. I still want to find you beautiful. I still want to see that you're worthy of my worship, and I don't want to mm-hmm. sin against others in the middle of my depression. And I will have to say, for me and my personality, I would not have understood that unless I went through that experience, that in the midst of this incredible daily sadness you just carried around, you didn't know where it comes from, mm-hmm. you could still rejoice in your God at the same time. Sure. Not that that rejoicing would make the day better. I mean, after right. I did that for weeks upon weeks, it didn't get better Sure. at the end of every day, but I was glad that I did it. Yeah. I mean, that was probably one of the most formational experiences of my life. And in that, thank you for your transparency, by the way, there is not a pretending either, right? There's a reality, again, without making expect, without making it, it spectacle, you know, where we're, you know, this is up on the movie screen and we're all sort of eating right. popcorn and enjoying your right. sadness. Um, but there's a realness uh, without pretending, hey, everything is fine here. And that's what's so interesting about something like Psalm 42, yes. where we sing a song like, you know, um, as the deer pants for the water. What we're not realizing in that song, which is, is a fine song, but is that the, the, the author of the psalm is actually saying, I thirst and my thirst is not quenched. Yes. And I need something that I'm not currently getting. But here's, I know this is where, where the this is where it's going to be quenched. Yes. You know, <laughs> what, 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 verse five, why are you cast down? Oh, my soul. Why are you in right. turmoil? Yeah. Yes. That, that is an excellent point yeah. that even in the midst of remembering how good God is, but this brings up a point, And this is where I would agree with, with Mr. Wright on this. So often when we're dealing with someone who is in pain and we're looking with ourselves, we feel as if we have to have answers for them. And it's really okay just to sit down and say, I know you're in pain. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. How can I pray? And be satisfied with that. Right. And even say, I know that this doesn't feel like it right now. I'm just going to remind you, God is good. And I'm not saying that you have to get to the point of not believing that, because certainly we need to believe that, but maybe you're not even there in regard to being settled on that currently just in your heart, you're, you're in turmoil, but I just want to remind you, God is good. Um, your your sadness doesn't take that away. Yes. Um, but, um, uh, and I'm not seeking to say, don't be sad, because, right. you know, for whatever the circumstance may be, there may be lots of reasons to be sad, yes. Yes. right? And so, um, you know, it, it is the temptation, though, for us, I think especially as pastors, 
to let's say you know uh, one of our dear church family members die and their their family's part of our church and we're trying to comfort them to try to come up with these sort of like you know uh places to plug in verses and and these kind of things rather than just saying it's okay to lament right now and part of it is we are uncomfortable being around people yeah. who are sad right right we yeah. are we we don't <laughs> yeah. want them to be sad we feel yeah. we have to fix yeah. them yeah yeah and but, we can't but can we not just say look i know that you're sad and your soul what your soul is saying right now is my only satisfaction is going to be found in god you're not there right now but but, right. but recognize that's the target and even once you land there you're still going to feel sad and that's yeah. okay yeah you know Right, yeah. right, and again, you just want to avoid narcissism. You want to—I I think probably the biggest time where you can see where sadness and lament has gone wrong is when you start forgetting about the needs of other people. Mm, because great point. because lament should push you mm. to be more sensitive to the pain of others. And what is it Paul said that with your sorrow, you will be able to minister to others who sorrow. And I think even among believers, and I've seen this happen. They become so enamored of becoming a little mini celebrity with with their pain. Sure, and you see that they're not thinking of the pain of others around them. That's, sure, that's scary too, and it's something I've got to examine in my own life. Yeah, it's a great point. Now, before we wrap up here, you have a book that yes. uh, you brought with you, and everyone a... can see it there in podcast land. Yeah, um, <laughs> this is an incredible book. I I, re- I heard about it some years back in the middle of everything. It's called Rejoicing and Lament. Wrestling with Incurable Cancer and Life in Christ by J. Todd Billings. And uh, Billings, I believe he's still with us. I haven't checked. As far recently. as I know, I think that's but right. But he, yeah. he has a form of cancer that's not going to be healed. It is a, it's a, it's like a blood marrow type thing. Okay. And the the treatment is just horrific. And he wrote a book about dealing with suffering and the lament psalms and lament in Scripture. It's probably one of the best things I've ever read in dealing with personal sorrow and as a believer in Christ. I'd highly recommend it. Just an incredible book. So we'll put a link to that in our show notes. Um, But, uh, yeah, just kind of another help there. We, of course, want you to be in the Scriptures, read the psalms, but it's always good to see and hear from others who've experienced lament um, or you know anything in the Christian life? To, and I will, I will, I will yeah. tell you what. I don't normally do this. But I'm going to throw this out there. Three people who want to contact us, either on our website or on the Facebook page. Uh, on the possibly. Facebook page, I will send out free copies to this book to three different people. Okay. But here, here's my request. I, 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 you, you have to commit to actually reading it. And you have to commit to ministering, either if you're dealing with yourself or someone else, to help them out with that. I'm more than happy to put this resource in your hand if if this is what you're interested in. So please reach out. Let us know. I will send you a copy of the book free of charge. I won't charge shipping. I, I will not even put a photograph, an autograph <laughs> photograph of myself because I love you all that much. Well, we'll we'll uh, put uh, links up, uh, or we'll we'll put that in uh, the show note description. Uh, you can reach out to us on WordPress. Um, Man, I'm messing it up. On wallcarpradio.wordpress.com. I'm so excited that Gary's giving away these books. <laughs> reach out to us at wallcarpradio.wordpress.com, uh, or you can reach us at facebook.com slash wallcarpradio. Uh, the first three 
We'll look at the timestamps. The first three that uh, reach out and ask for those, uh, Gary's going to get those to you. Except for Emily Bosma, all right? Because she listens, <laughs> nope, sorry, Emily, no matter what you do, we're going to pretend you didn't post anything. Oh, my. Well, I'll let you, that be between you and her. Um, but uh, please do head over to uh, iTunes, uh, look us up there, and give us a rating uh, if you would uh, do that. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. God bless.